right, hi. So welcome to Season 2, Episode 7 of Asteroids in Exile. My name is Niv. And I'm Martin. And today we've uh, got a pretty quick episode, so we're going to go through things pretty quick, uh, pretty fast. I've repeated that already. <laughs> so let's hope you can keep up, because I've clearly had too much of caffeine. I had no caffeine today. Didn't have a Martin's single had- trip of cola. Uh, Only how, water how, for me today. How, how do you live? I don't understand. I don't know. <laughs> You know, All right, to, so we, yeah, go on. I have to podcast from my bedroom <laughs> because I lost my man cave. <laughs> the man cave is gone. Yeah, <laughs> Martin's uh, Martin's getting ready for a new addition to the family, so um, the man cave has had to give way. <laughs> so yeah, we all we all have to eventually grow up. Apparently, is what they tell us. Yeah, and if you're if you're refusing to grow up, then life grows up for you. Grows you up, <laughs> and on that ultra realistic uh, note, <laughs> I guess let's dive into all the crazy fantasy and science fiction we need to talk about today. <laughs> yeah, let's let's escape. Let's just do it. So uh, we're going to start off with TV today. Uh, there's a couple of uh, key things. The first one on the list here, which uh, Martin wrote down, <laughs> yeah. got me. I didn't hear about this one. So do you want to do you want to take us through what's happening with of the Wachowskis? The porn provider X-Hamster approached the Wachowski brothers uh, to continue Sense8 on their platform. Really? Which I think is amazing. (laughs) It's like Pornhub is doing all those great things. Yeah, I mean, besides from porn, like sexual education and stuff, and they already put money into hosting uh, things, and now TV is being taken over. Well, there you go. By the industry. It's all about content, right? I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> everyone wants to get into the original content game, and clearly the porn providers are not, not going to be left behind. Um, so, first of all, it's the Wachowski siblings, right? Because they're sisters now. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I forgot. Yeah. I'm so, so sorry. Just a correction on that one. But otherwise, um, yeah, that's an interesting one. I know that, I mean, I just finished Sense8 Season 2 uh, maybe a week or two ago. Yeah. It was a long and arduous process. The ending was, I mean, it was okay, but it just oh, took really? okay. forever to get there. They are going to have a movie. So Netflix has committed, I believe, to having a movie to uh, close off the story. It's I can see why Pornhub would be interested in it. Oh, sorry, X-Hamster. Just because there is yeah. a lot of just random sex scenes in that show. And they're being chased by an organization that's trying to kill them, but they still find time to... Get down and dirty. So yeah, well, you have you to. Know. You have to keep the species <laughs> well, I guess you have going to. on. You know what's the point of living? I guess you know, <laughs> if, you, if you're not keeping your anyway, man so, yeah, cave. <laughs> that's an interesting one. <laughs> so I'm assuming I don't know how the story ends with the Wachowskis and X Hamster, but I'm assuming they said no, and Netflix is still going to do the movie. I didn't catch up. I didn't uh, catch up on the on the news. I just thought it would be interesting because Sense8 uh, haunted us for the last three or four episodes. I thought I'd put it in there because it's such a great piece of news. It's, yeah, I mean, so it's amazing. randomly. We need to just get, like like the show itself, Sense8 tends to just kind of like hang around. Kind of like, <laughs> yeah. When is this going to end? <laughs> so, I mean, I enjoyed it. Again, it's a good looking show. It's yeah. put together. The production values and the quality of the show is really awesome. It's just that the story tends to drag on. Anyway. Like at the end of season two, the story finally is at a place where I think they can get proactive 
Um, yeah, things could change. And then, yeah, you're cancelled. Thank you. <laughs> well, yeah, and I think just in terms of closing it all off with a two-hour movie, it gives them enough time to finish off the story, but not enough time to just do random stuff that draws it out. So yeah, cool. So we'll see what happens. We'll we'll see what else Pornhub and X Hamster get into the game of, plus whatever other porn providers there are out there. I'm sure there's a whole litany of them. Yeah, yeah, more to come on that one. Stay watching, everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, and then um. Rick and Morty. So you've been watching season three? Yeah, I started season three. I thought it would be um, also a good show for you to watch because I really enjoyed season three. This show is firing on all cylinders with the episodes that have been released so far, which are six or seven at the moment. I don't see how they can can top themselves in a season four. Really? Yeah, this, it's an it's an amazing show. If you 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 can watch it uh, as a as a entertaining uh, endeavor, and then you can start think about all the things that were said and done and all the themes that they are talking about. And um, it's, yeah. it's getting really, really complex. I've heard it. it is quite good in the sense of like, it does have that. It's funny and stupid, but still has quite a lot of social commentary. Yeah. Uh, like there's, there's a lot in there to sort of unpack. Yeah. And especially um, it started to tell, or, or at least for me, it started to tell the viewer he should, he, she, should stop watching the show and go out and do something with their lives. Oh, really? Or, or be, be, That's a good be a better person. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's weird. Perhaps only I see it that way. But yeah. the, the Pickle Rick episode, um, the, 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 the meme factory that is the Pickle Rick episode somehow <laughs> can get summarized with saying stop watching the show. Stop watching. Go out. Yeah. Live life. Take charge of your <laughs> life so you don't become Ooh. like Rick and Morty. I think recently everyone around me has been uh, talking about Rick and Morty. So it's something I should definitely get into, yeah. I think. So I've not actually watched any of it. So really, I guess like, I got three seasons to catch up on. Yeah, but it's only 13 episodes per season. So it's rather quick. Okay. The episodes are 20 minutes. 20 and they're 20 minute episodes. Okay. It's not like you have anything else to watch. <laughs> like... I mean, no, I mean, I am, I am starved for content right now. <laughs> Game of Thrones has ended. So. Yeah. Well, true. <laughs> Again, what is life without Game of Thrones? <laughs> I got to wait a whole two years. <laughs> so yeah, no, for, for sure. I'll, I'll check out Rick and Morty. I'll, it'll, it'll, it'll definitely be put on the list. Um, <laughs> I, I'm currently going to, um, I, I've restarted Clone Wars cause I realized I never actually finished it. And a friend of mine. Uh, was talking about how I need to get back into it and just finish finish the I think six or seven seasons. Uh, uh, the, it's six the original seasons, yeah. was six seasons. No, f- five seasons. So, uh, one through four, and five is the the missing season. Oh, it was only available on DVD, I think. Oh right, is it on Netflix? It got taken down in Europe in January this year. Oh right, actually, yeah, we're gonna lose it in October. So oh, Clone Wars is going away. I'm pretty sure. So that was p- part of my point was to see if I could finish it on Netflix before it went away. That's not going to happen. <laughs> October's already here. Now so. I have a Christmas present for you. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Everything you've ever wanted. In DVD form. <laughs> yeah. So that's cool. But I, I, I also just finished uh, B- BoJack Horseman season four, I believe. was, was the latest season. Four. If, you ha- if, if you don't watch that show, I mean... Very similar to the comments we made about around Rick and Morty. It's just, I thought it was like Oscar worthy. Like I know Netflix TV shows don't win Oscars, <laughs> but I would award it. I would award it an Academy Award. I thought it was just fantastic. Really smart show. That's the reaction I got from my filter bubble. Everybody's raving about the show. Yeah. 
Guess I should get so into like, the game. Yeah, that's the two different worlds we we live in. I'm like surrounded by Rick and Morty. <laughs> You're surrounded by Bojack Horseman. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. I mean, it's it's um, it's hard to describe. And when I try to describe it to people, it kind of puts people off a little bit when you talk about like, <laughs> the premise of the show. But once you start watching it, it's just it's it is fantastic. So definitely, if you're not Bojack Horseman watcher, watch that. And I'll watch Rick and Morty in return. So moving on from, uh, I guess, Netflix, have you watched The Orville? Yeah, I've watched the first, the pilot episode, and I mean, it's it's not that good. Oh, really? Because, I've, I've, again, I've heard a few people talk about it. Like, I've heard it mentioned in company, but I didn't actually catch on to what the, what the, what the key point was, like, i.e., is it good or bad? So you're, you weren't impressed? I, I'm impressed with the production value and the ideas behind it, because it feels like a classic track. Feels like Shatner Trek. Right. Uh, but Star Trek, the classic series, Shatner Trek. Uh, <laughs> Shatner Trek. Shatner no, Trek. I was going with it. I was <laughs> like, that's a good way to hashtag Shatner Trek. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, out of respect, they don't go the full, the full McFarlane route with the jokes. And that's kind of holding the whole thing back as well. Oh, so like it's it's not enough, Seth MacFarlane. Yeah, it's, is what you're saying. I mean, there, there could be more. I I think. Right. Uh, so Seth MacFarlane, he's he's the guy that did um like Family Guy. Yeah. And um, American ha- Dad. Uh, a million ways to die in the West. A million ways to die in the West. At least uh, I knew it was something to do with the West. Yeah, I don't really. I didn't like a million ways to die in the West. That was a bit stupid. But I mean, in general, he's pretty funny. And you're saying that they didn't really double down on his style of humor in this one? No, absolutely not. It, I mean, it's still, there are still enough, enough thick and fart jokes in there. Mm-hmm. and which, which is effectively the summary of his style of humor. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there's enough uh, respect and it feels like a, a more believable Star Trek universe because pe- people are still being people in there. We haven't... Uh, this... this, this Star Trek uh, universe hasn't quite reached the level of, uh, you know, the next generation thing where they say we're more in control of ourselves and we try to be better people. Right. This show could be at the, at the set shortly before the point where humanity reaches that level of civilization. Like en- enlightenment. <laughs> enlightenment, or, yeah. yeah. So is it trying to be like a serious show then? Or is it still like just trying to be a comedy? Or is that is, is that the point? It doesn't know what it's trying to be. I think I think that that's that's the problem. It's it's not funny enough to be called a comedy. It's not serious enough to be called a Star Trek show. I think or a a, a serious sci-fi drama for that right. matter. But then Star right, Trek but- Discovery starts tomorrow, so you'll get a, a pretty good benchmark of modern modern Trek. Uh, yeah, and that's supposed to be. Um- very similar in that vein that you were talking about as well. So what I heard is it's not just talking about humans and the Federation fighting aliens, but there's also infighting within Earth's factions and things like that. So it's supposed to be quite like a, a like you said, like a more realistic, updated version of of um, Star Trek, and just just before we reach fuller enlightenment as a civilization. So I'm interested to see how that goes, and it's also, I mean, just in terms of um, the cast. And the captain and yeah. the crew of the ship all being kind of like, um, it's, a, it's a more diverse bunch. It'll be interesting to see how, how they make that work as well. 
it's sad that Brian Fuller left the show because, I mean, there's the, I think somebody said they're still following his notes. So he was the showrunner? He was the showrunner. And then he left for American Gods or was right. let go for American Gods. And that guy seriously needs a break because it seems like he can't finish anything. <laughs> thoughts. Yeah. yeah. I finished American Gods as well. So oh. that was, that was pretty good. It was interesting. It's on my list. I didn't like the book. Yeah, I didn't like the book either. You know, I've, I've been fed up with Neil Gaiman because it's like you can't you can't pass a corner on the internet without Neil Gaiman popping up yeah. from somewhere. <laughs> He's super prolific. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so Neil, yeah. so we kind of skipped multiple topics there, but American Gods being a Neil Gaiman book, which is made into a TV show, which was showrun by Brian Fuller, who left Star Trek Discovery. Is that yeah. how yes. a, a truck back went? Perfect okay. Cool. <laughs> Yeah, so just to finish off on Star Trek Discovery, I'm excited. I, I, I want to see how it goes. Here it's on CBS All Access, which I don't have, and it's not compelling enough for me to pay for an, another streaming channel just to watch Star Trek. So I'm just going to wait. So I will have to, because you're going to get it on Netflix, I believe. Yeah, we get it on Netflix. I got the alarm today that it's it's up tomorrow. I thought it would be on Friday and not on Monday. Nice. Because I'm going to Amsterdam this week, so I will be able to watch it when I get to... When I get to Europe. Yes. Amazing. <laughs> so that will be good. And then, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I like Star Trek. I'm, I'm, I'm not a super Trekkie fan or anything, but I, I'm very interested to see how they how they reinterpret Star Trek uh, based on current events and where humanity yeah. gets to. It almost feels like from a Star Trek commentary point of view, we've regressed. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> they said, you know what? Uh, it's not it's not realistic for us to have reached enlightenment by then. <laughs> the next two, three hundred years. And then, you know, on just on American Gods. So you haven't seen that yet. I I enjoyed it. Okay. I enjoyed it. It was, um, again, a very, very interesting show. Very well put together. I thought the production quality was great. Like it looked great. The whole thing uh, plays like it's like it's in a dream. And I thought going back to Neil Gaiman's kind of style and sort of his, um, a lot of the things that, the themes that he has within his stories are, are about stories and dream and wake and, you know, the whole Sandman, what's reality, what's, what's dream. The whole show runs like that, which is really cool. Cause it's all like, I guess real, but it's also it, the way it's put, the way it looks on screen, it's very dreamlike. And okay. I thought that was really cool. I just saw the scene where Ian McShane reveals his role. In the, oh. in the pantheon but that's like that's like that's, that's like the end i know i know that's literally like the last minute of this last episode <laughs> yeah and i thought it's uh like you said it's put together in 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 such a way that uh it could be seen as a as an illusion or just a, a, the imagination of one of the characters yeah that this guy so that's becomes. a good that's a good point well is it actually what happened or is it then just a dream is it real life <laughs> or is, is it fantasy? fantasy? <laughs> <laughs> Freddy is yeah, so in his grave right now. <laughs> I know it's I, my I, voice is nowhere near. No, <laughs> it's clearly. So American Gods is cool. So yeah, check it out and let us know what you think. And so that covers off the Orville <laughs> on our list of topics. <laughs> yeah, and the that, next that one, was the, the next one that I put on there was. Uh, yeah, the DC they're they're putting together their um, Teen Titans cast, and they've just cast Brenton Thwaites as Nightwing. This is a podcast, so people can't see Martin's face, but he's not impressed. Yeah, I, I mean, he, he got 
As I always say, he got the part because the casting director or uh, the creative talent involved in the show saw something in, in him and I, I just don't see it. You don't see it? Have you seen um, anything he's in? Have you seen The Last? Because he was in The Last Pirates movie, The Last Pirates of the Caribbean. I must admit, I haven't seen any of his work. I just know him from the, the photos that got put into the various ad articles declaring his yeah. casting. I, I, I don't know. P perhaps... Uh, When I see him uh, in the role, uh, yeah. I, he's, he's, he's going to be a revelation. I'm going to regret <laughs> ever um, doubting his ability to portray Nightwing. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I'm not convinced. He's an Australian. So I've got, oh, you okay. know, yeah. I've, I've, I've got some like Australian pride Soft <laughs> a little bit there. But at the same time, it's kind of like, yeah, you, you, you got to see him in the role. I don't know how he's going to do it. I... Haven't seen Pirates, but I saw him in The Giver, I think. Oh, which yeah. Which was like yeah. a Jeff Bridges movie as well. Jeff Bridges had a smaller role to play there. But it was a very different kind of movie. I don't know how he's going to do with like the action. Because Nightwing's a very acrobatic character. I mean, he's yeah. literally an acrobat from the circus, right? So it'll be cool to see how they put that together. I don't know whether the show is going gonna, is gonna to have as much when it comes to like the stunts and the action scenes. Like him doing, I don't know, backflips. And he's a trapeze artist, right? So I'm, ex I'm expecting a lot of action yeah. and a lot of flipping around. So we'll see how they do that. On a TV But budget yeah. as well. Sorry? On a, on a TV budget as well. Because it's not yeah. like in Arrow where you have one good guy, one bad guy. You have the Teen Titans. You have to <laughs> outfit the Teen Titans. Well, they're going to have Starfire in this thing, right? Yes, she has been cast as well, I think. But I don't know the actress' name. I just remembered. That's good preparation, kids. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Here's one we prepared earlier. Uh, yeah, but I mean, just talking about, um, just talking about the, um, so I got a message. I'm getting distracted <laughs> now. <laughs> just talking about the TV budget. With Starfire in there, she's a super special effects heavy character. Yeah. So on a TV budget, like you said, Iron Fist, when we get to the Defenders, the defenders at the end of the session, only lights up a few times, right? Starfire is like pretty much constantly lit up with her power set whenever there's like any sort of fight. So it'll be interesting to see how they do that. And we also, I mean, did you watch the in Inhumans? No. no is, 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 that, is that available to the public? Is that available to the public? <laughs> <laughs> It um it was on IMAX and it was on TV. I'm pretty sure okay. I didn't watch any of it. It's nah, terrible. The, the the trailers already looked and and all the interviews that came out with the with the director and stuff. Everybody said like make it as cheap as possible and as fast as possible. And it li literally looks like that's exactly what they did. what they did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in one of the yeah, it's a spoiler. I, I won't spoil the show for anybody who's who's setting any giving any hopes what's that the um the inhuman show yeah the inhuman show because they did a they they found a way to get rid of the expensive special effects for medusa yeah i mean i saw that they yeah it just it looks really cheap yeah it and looks like it's a it's almost like a film school kind of production <laughs> yeah anna diop is uh was being cast as starfire Oh, right. I forwarded you the link. That's right. Anna Dio. So I don't, I don't think I've seen her in anything. So 24 Legacy, but I, I don't believe yeah. I watched that. <laughs> I stopped 24 after like the first five seasons of it.
Jack uh, Bauer eventually needed to have like, a toilet break. Um, again, with this whole show, the, I think all of the Titans cast, we need to see them in, in costume and see how they're going to do this. Yeah. Acting ability aside, I think from a production point of view, I don't, I don't want, I, I really want this to work. I don't want it to be cheap. I don't want it to be as like, which is awful as the Inhumans looks. Yeah. Like Inhumans looks so bad. I don't even want to watch it. Like it's, I'm not going to waste my time on it. And a lot of, uh, a lot of people are just uh, discovering uh, the Titans. And I think they are a, an important franchise in, in the, in the, in the comic book market. Yeah. I'm not the, the Titans reader, but a lot of people like them. So I, I want those people to get a good show. I mean, I like the Titans, right? And they've been in the they've been in cartoons, yeah. Uh, so we've we've been like animated series. Yeah, Young Justice is kind of like a Teen Titans show. Yeah. yeah, and like Young Justice was phenomenal. Yeah. I love Young Young Justice still. I can't wait for season yeah. three when that finally comes out. Right? Yeah, you know, it's just going to leave a bad taste in everybody's mouth if uh, if this sucks as much as Inhumans yeah. does. And yeah, I mean, I hope Warner Brothers is really doubling down on making this a good show i, I hope just... i hope they will it would be a shame uh if they especially after the inhumans debacle mm -hmm. to not double down on on teen titans or titans yeah and the, the thing for me like <clears throat> the creative team behind it like greg belanti and akira yeah. goldsman greg belanti does like he did arrow and flash like yeah. he's behind those shows and i guess legends of tomorrow yeah as yeah. well I think he's behind all the uh, the DC TV universe things. And so those are all on CW. So they all have that CW kind of look about them, which was hilarious because they even mentioned that in Supergirl when The Flash does the crossover into the Supergirl show and they get in front of Calissa Flockhart. Yeah. who's like the main boss, I guess, in the Supergirl show. And she, they're all standing in front of her and she looks like, you kids look like a like a bunch of characters from a CW show right now. <laughs> oh, that's so meta. Great line. But um, I, I hope that they don't do that to this show. I hope it's not just another CW show, which and set in that kind of world. I, I hope it's in its, in its own thing, and I hope they can craft something. Because again, you're going to have an alien with Starfire. You, I, I don't know who the rest of the... We did really, really bad. We didn't plan to actually talk about this in this level of detail. Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, Beast Boy, who's potentially turning into an animals and stuff. Yeah, you know, kind it's, of shenanigans. Cyborg? Cyborg won't be in it because he's, be he's in the DC EU now. So he's being oh, yeah. promoted into the Justice League. I'm not sure if Raven is going to be it. So yeah, it's so going to be like... Uh, so Raven is... Uh, she's like magic stuff. I is going to be like an, an alien with like flight and laser style powers with massive hair. Uh, Beast Boy turns into animals. Nightwing's flipping around all over the place. Like, this is going to be a crazy show. I want them to really make it crazy and cool, not crazy and just cheap, like Inhumans. Because that's the whole point. Like, Inhumans was supposed to be a crazy show as well. Yeah. Because they're literally, like, another version of Mutant. So they've all got these powers. It should be spectacular when they're on screen. Instead, it looks like, again, a high school production. You know? It also should be this this great drama because Inhuman Society is... is yeah. Very well, or was very well fleshed out in the comics. Yeah, I mean, Inhumans had the potential to be like the Marvel TV's version of Game of Thrones. Yep, and they really threw that away. Yep. So, eh, yeah. Anyway, before we get any more depressed, let's move on <laughs> to more. Well, I don't know if they're better news, but 
Well, yeah, well, there are, so movie there are good news. things in there. <laughs> movie news. So this is a this is going to be a mixed pot of, uh, of movie news. So the first one being the Obi Wan spinoff movie. So apparently this is in development. Yes. And how do you feel about this? Mark? I feel good about this because yeah? we need an Obi Wan movie. Be- yeah. Well, I've been shitting on the Han Solo solo movie for <laughs> for a long time now, but I think Obi Wan has. Uh, more potential, I think, because e- even if they scrap uh, the whole uh, expanded universe stuff for Han Solo, that he was a cadet at the Imperial Academy and met Chewbacca as a prisoner of the of the Empire and stuff, they could tell a good story uh, with yeah. with Han Solo. But uh, I don't care about Han Solo's time before he enters in episode four as much as I did, as I do care for Obi-Wan's story between episodes yeah. three and four. Yeah. yeah I, I can understand that. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, from a, uh, from a hero's journey point of view, Han's story really starts, I guess, in episode four. Yeah. With, with him starting that hero's journey. But before that, he was just in his, his normal life being a, being a pirate, not, um, or a smuggler, but uh, you know the 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 real arc for him is really what happens after that. Yeah, the story of how he becomes a smuggler, eh, maybe not so compelling. Yeah, because he's a survivor, so you know we can all see that happening. But at, at the same token, Obi Wan's story is a, a little bit more complex <laughs> <laughs> because he's had multiple like story arcs in his time that we've already seen. Right, so there's the prequels and then the original trilogy as yeah. well so even in between those he's also had his arc in clone wars and in the other shows as well so we we've we've got a lot more invested with 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 his progression over time yeah and then there, i think with han there's this book by john jackson miller i think it's just called kenobi i mean mm-hmm. the, the story is scrapped now but it's all uh, set on tatooine in his time between episodes uh three and four and i i i loved this i loved it because it uh shows him he still retain he still retains his um how, how should I put it he's such a dignified character everything Obi Wan does seems so dignified especially in yeah. the Clone Wars and now he gets confronted outside of his comfort zone with uh with conflicts and he doesn't have yeah. the Jedi order to rely on he just has to to improvise uh to pretend to not not be a Jedi and he tries to to keep his dignity. In, in, in doing yeah. so while protecting Luke. It's just an, that wa- that already was an interesting story. Okay. That could have been incorporated in, in a, in a movie that book right. would, would make a good, a good movie. So it was just called Kenobi. Just, yeah. I think but it's no longer a part of the star Wars canon. Like no, it, no, it's still, when, it's still in, in publication. You can still get it, but the story is not canon. As if, as if it makes any difference. It's all made up shit. <laughs> no, this is very important, Martin. If it's not canon, I don't want to know about it. It's just, it's just your head canon at that point. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, I just Look, realized. If you're gonna take that tack, this whole point, this whole thing's pointless. <laughs> yeah, but you're absolutely right. But you know, just oh man, they they could make such a good movie out of this book, but it's no longer canon. Who cares? Just. <laughs> Get the, get even on the uh, Evan on the phone. Give him a costume and go. 
No, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I, I would love to see an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie, uh, and I want Ewan McGregor to come back. Yeah, I think absolutely. Yeah. Ewan McGregor needs to come back as, as Obi-Wan. That would be cool. And that would be like he'd be the right age now to do the story, which is between three and four. Yeah. Like episode three and episode four. So I don't know, like, I don't know what he was doing on Tatooine for all that time. Was he just, I'm just imagined he was just sitting in a cave, like smoking cigarettes and looking into the distance uh, in a meditative state. You know, <laughs> like, well, he was visited by Qui-Gon who teached him how to become a force ghost. Oh, that's right. Cause he, he was able to ascend into the force at yeah. the end. Well, which is what, what happens in four, right? So that's why yeah. his body disappears. That's something that doesn't happen naturally to to Jedi. Right. It happens like it's just effectively. There was a, there was a really weird, interesting video that I watched, uh, and I I can't remember what the context or how I watched it because it was one of those ones where I'm just randomly on YouTube and it was the middle of the night <laughs> yeah. and then I fell asleep. <laughs> um, and they were talking about how uh, like Luke's uh, not Luke um, Anakin's um, going to the dark side, and how it was all about uh, how the Jedi Order themselves effectively none of them none of them followed the teachings of what they were trying to get anakin to follow so yeah. they were all being um like they all broke the rules all, all all the rules that they set up and told anakin he had to follow they all broke them mace windu giving into anger at the end you, you know they asked anakin to spy on the emperor yeah or who becomes the emperor and so like it really it, it sort of positions Anakin as this character who was like just caught in this conflict where this this order that he thought was right and just was also not right and just so he didn't know what he what, what, what he had to do and that's effectively why he turns to the dark side because to him there is no dark side because even the guys on the light side are also breaking all the rules so what's the point um so he just saw that as the best way to sort of go forward I guess what is also interesting though as I was watching that I was thinking about the gray Jedi which are potentially coming up in uh, episode eight. Yeah. Which is Jedi that don't, that do bend the rules. And so, I don't know. You, you probably know way more about the gray Jedi than I do. I just know But it's that... effectively no, no longer about light and darkness. It's about walking the middle path. Yeah. Because Luke did, in, in the expanded universe, he used dark side powers. He threw around the occasional force lightning. Yeah. And so the, the expanded universe is also being the non-canon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but from, you know, from the trailer, I wonder if Luke is the bad guy in in episode eight. It's something I've I've come up with this week. Yeah, because his his action figure they have this force link feature where they spout a few lines, and yeah. he's basically a sci-fi Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> right. Trust in the force, my friend, and the force is strong with you and stuff. And I think, oh, yeah, 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 you're throwing a curveball here, dude, oh, really? with, your, with your white ropes. I, I don't know. I, I think. Are uh, you being like super cynical? Is he sounding like Palpatine to you? Like, <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> he sounds uh, way too friendly and way too upbeat because well, it is a kid's toy, right? I, mean, I just <laughs> wanted to say, yeah, it's a kid's toy. But, you know, that, then I, I, I thought about what if Luke is actually. What if Luke is in exile because he's the reason for Snoke, for Snoke coming into power and the dark side rising? But yeah, we'll definitely do a, a, an episode, eight episode, <laughs> episode where yeah. we can talk about all this this stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I think we'll just before episode eight hits that that will be like an episode eight centric topic. That will be great. Um, I I just got sent this meme by um by a friend 
of because uh, they released the picture of Snoke, so Snoke being the um, the big bad from the new Star Wars movies, uh, and he's got that like he's got that dent in his forehead. This is the Have you the, the, have you seen this? The guy, uh, the, the stormtrooper who hits his head yes. in Episode Four. <laughs> yeah, yes. this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah, so it's a picture of Snoke with that massive gash in his forehead, and then uh, a picture of the stormtrooper. As they're walking through the um, through the doors to get three PO and R two D two, I think yep. were in. This is episode four, right? It's four, yeah. yeah. And this one stormtrooper hits his head as as all the stormtroopers walk in. <laughs> it's fantastic. So yeah, he uh, he grows up to become Snoke. <laughs> and this this Thor is responsible for the demise of the Galactic Republic. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Good thing they blew their stop. <laughs> right. So moving from from one's Uber franchise to n- the not so well oiled machine of uh, DCEU. So the Joker origin movie. Yeah. Like anybody asked for it. <laughs> Just because yeah, because we're, we're talking about stuff that we need in our lives, right? So a Joker <laughs> origin movie with a different Joker, so yeah. not not Jared Leto. Jared Leto. At one point. And uh I thought they mentioned produced by Martin Scorsese, apparently. Yeah, and they want uh, they want to get to Leonardo DiCaprio via Scorsese to play the Joker. Do you see that happening? Like, do you do you? I mean, I, I <laughs> it probably won't happen. But <laughs> we live in a world where Warner Brothers wants to make a Joker origin story movie. Like, how how can you? How uh, what's the last the last nail in the in the coffin? Of a yeah. doomed Joker franchise, tell his origin story. <laughs> I don't get it. It'll be cool. It'll be cool, I guess. And so this is like one of the um, one of the arguments that people have about the Joker is like one of the things that makes the Joker character cool is that he has no origin. Yeah, is that the Joker just exists? Because I mean, he's effectively a Lord of Chaos, right? So. <laughs> You don't know where he comes from, and that's the whole point. Yeah. Um, and they actually say that in um, The Dark Knight. So they actually mention, like, there's no record of this dude ever existing anywhere. Yeah. And that was an amazing idea to use it in the movie. Yeah. And now to go in and actually tell that story. And, and so that's what I liked about the way Gotham did it as well, is they kind of had that Joker play for a while, but then they kind of, like, they took a leftwards turn on, on that whole thing to keep it open. Yeah, I liked that. And I think that's what makes the Joker compelling as a character is that he is this just mysterious figure to now go in and say, all right, now I'm going to tell you the story of exactly where he came from. It's going to, it's going to, it's like seeing behind the curtain. It's like when you know the magician's secret, the magic no longer is compelling. And even if you make it vague enough, uh, like, like an, an art house production and leave it completely open-ended with the question is, is this character becoming the Joker? Will this character become the Joker? It's such an unsatisfying experience yeah. for for the general cinema public. Yeah, for, for like anyone who's watching this story, right? Yeah. And it's kind of like, so to me, I'm going to make a sideways comparison. It's like How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. Like the whole concept of the show is which one's the mother? And then at the end of it, everyone's unsatisfied. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if you've seen the end of How yeah, Mother. Seen it. Yeah, you know, because it's like, well, all right, then that was the answer. Let's all move on. Because like, there's no more tension, and I think that's that's the risk here: is you take away the tension of who the Joker is yeah. and why the Joker is. 
So I think it's just a bad idea. I can see that if they they could potentially do something where they have flashbacks and they have DiCaprio as like an older Joker. And then they could do Jared Leto as like a flashback Joker. So it's the same character. You're just seeing him in two different pieces of time. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm pretty sure like DiCaprio and um, Jared Leto are like the same age almost. <laughs> so I don't know how that's going to work. So I mean, are they going to have to cast like how many different Jokers are we going to have at the end of this? So I, 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 I don't know. I, I don't know if I like it. Especially if DC Comics hasn't even re uh, lifted the curtain on the whole. There was a story arc where Batman gains godlike. He becomes a new god, essentially, taking oh, right. over for Metron. And the, the first thing he asks is, who's the Joker? And then he finds out there are four. Four or five. Oh, really? Yeah. And was never mentioned again <laughs> since, <laughs> since then. <laughs> I don't know if that's still a topic where it got mentioned off screen. Like, you know, I was right. I was drunk with power at that point. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. And it's kind of like, well, because I asked the question, I actually knew the answer anyway. And then because I'm God, I actually made it happen. So, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah. Maybe they could. I mean, again, why would God have to ask a question? You know, you know? <laughs> I, I had glow fingers. Did, uh, have, you know, uh, have you seen the costume? The Batman as Metron? No. Because he had, like, uh, from the first knuckle of his finger to the tip, they glowed. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, they, uh, uh, when I when I mentioned him, I always said Glowfinger, because there was this movie, Bowfinger's Big Score. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and when he, he got, uh, he, when he revealed the, 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 the identity of the Joker to himself, <laughs> I said Glowfinger's Big Score. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Glowfinger. Yeah, that, that's such a great costume design when he sits there with the crossed fingers and the tips are glowing. Right. Yeah, we're we're, we're gonna have to get a picture of that for the for the for for the title card of this episode. It's such an insane, a, a great but insane idea, and it's it's I, as you can. Who wrote that here? Jeff Johns. Dark Seed War was the the name of the the whole story. Yeah, I think the the great Dark Seed War. Anything. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I've I've not seen that one. I'm gonna definitely have to look this one up. Just look the cover up. It's amazing. You know, it's, it's it's still I'm 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 still entertained by just thinking about it. Just the idea of Batman as a god, though. I think he's just too too dark and cynical to be. A, he would be a pretty bad god. You think so? I think he would be. He he would show us his kind side then, <laughs> because he can do anything. You know. Maybe. Maybe, maybe given enough power. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe that's the problem. He just needs more power. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more power for Batman. She can't take any more power. <laughs> <laughs> to go back to Star Trek. That is the best Scottish accent I've heard today. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. Mr. Scotty. So staying, just finishing off the Batman um, or the Jared Leto Joker theme. So Margot Robbie and Jared Leto coming back for a, another solo movie or the same solo movie? I think it's the same solo movie. The headline <laughs> hit like the next day, but I forgot right. to include the, the link. Good preparation. Okay. But, we, you know. We're... Yeah, because I was like, they can't do an origin movie and a solo movie. <laughs> a solo origin movie. DC. DC is like herding cats. Like every, <laughs> every kind of director or like... Um, Every creator in DC is doing their own thing and like no one's paying attention. Yeah. You know, it's just, I mean, just imagining it's like a, it's like a nursery, like with kids and every kid's just doing like the painting on the walls. They're like 
I don't know, yeah, just doing crazy stuff, and, they put, and like no one, no one's paying attention. And they put Wonder Woman in the only group that's behaved. <laughs> <laughs> she's yeah. like she's the only kid that's kind of like inside like a playpen being like hey guys you know does anyone else want to like do something fun <laughs> everyone else yeah. is like nah, no. running around there's like cheerios inside the fish tank it's just it's a it's bedlam <laughs> it's you know all right and so oh i wrote this name now that i read the the headline that i put into our <laughs> Yeah. Into our one note. You just you just realized this as well, yeah. <laughs> well, no, so I was reading that and I'm trying to think of a segue to go from Star Wars okay. to the Joker and then back to Star Wars, because this is now a Star Wars topic again. <laughs> I can't think of a segue, so this is the segue. But then yes, you also spelt his name as Colon Trevorrow. Yeah. So <laughs> it's no longer for Colin Trevorrow. It's Colon Trevorrow. <laughs> Does this bode well for what Star Trek Nine's uh, Star Wars Nine's going to look like? <laughs> and now coming out of well, you know that, that that's the point. Colon's gone, right? So yeah, he's Colin. Colin Trevor is no longer the right <laughs> Colin, Star Wars Colin's episode. Gone, my nine. God, that, that poor man. <laughs> <laughs> and they're bringing JJ back. Yeah. How does that make you feel? Uh, I think I, I I wrote a tweet or something like Ron Howard's a pretty pretty exciting choice now, huh? <laughs> yes jj um oh, i'm sorry i was i did, why did was colin trevorrow fired or did he actually leave like i think uh they were there, it was a mutual agreement that he should vacate the director's chair as well as the writer's chair alongside his co-writer wow so i mean that is a pretty big change that's a pretty big change because one of the things that I think was a little bit disheartening to hear um, a couple of weeks ago, and I think it was um, Kylo Ren, so I forgot his name, Adam Driver. Mm-hmm. Is it Adam, Adam Driver? In an interview said that he didn't actually know what Kylo Ren's story was. Like they, had, they hadn't planned it out when they were doing episode seven. So there was no actual plan for the trilogy. Mm. And now that JJ's back, I don't know whether that's going to help any. Because one of the, my biggest chief complaints about J.J. Abrams is that he doesn't care for endings. Yeah. Anyone who's watched Lost <laughs> can feel that pain. Because, like, he, you know, he did, and I bring this up a lot, he did a TED Talk where he talked about his whole, his whole thing yeah. is the mystery. His whole thing is knowing, is wondering what's in the box, but never actually finding out. And so, for, you know, that's the whole thing is that you can't have a story without an end. And the, the, the end of the story is what makes it satisfying. If they're continuing to plan to do Star Wars as trilogies, then episode nine not having a clear ending for where the story is going is going to be very disappointing. If, on the other hand, Disney is going to be running Star Wars forever and there's not really going to be trilogies anymore, it's just going to be like an ongoing serial, then I guess that works. But at the same time, you know, you're never ever going to have a sense of satisfaction or, um, yeah, just, just feel like you've got any sort of closure with the story because it's going to be like effectively an intergalactic version of the bold and the beautiful. It's just going to go on forever. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's going to be a soap opera. So I'm not excited by this. So like you said, isn't Ron Howard now an exciting choice? <laughs> <laughs> but then I think with Star Wars, I think that JJ comes prepared. I can't imagine him having written out a, a possible arc for all, all the characters that he introduced in, in episode seven. But then uh, I'm going to lean out of the window very wide 
with saying that I think that Star Wars isn't making as much money or isn't as running as smoothly for Disney as does the Marvel movies. And I wouldn't be surprised if they'd call quits for a while after episode nine. Oh. I think they're going to focus on, on, on what's making actual money, the toys and the, the paraphernalia and Star Wars land mm -hmm. and stuff. That's going to be super huge, of course, but I think on the, on the production side, we're going to see a slouch or, or, uh, the, the, the ditch that's being currently carved out, that, being filled yeah. with new expanded universe stuff. We're going to see a lot of books, a lot of comic books and stuff. Uh, but we, yeah, I think we, we won't going to see any, any new, any new stuff, even with the, the new characters. That's my prediction. Yeah. I mean, it is, from a business point of view, I think, to a point you're right, a lot of, I think, you know, there's a, a large percentage of the money they make is through the merchandising, yeah. right? The theme parks and the toys and the clothes and everything. The movies are the engine that keep that going. Yeah. So they need to keep it in the public space, at least on a maybe yearly or semi-annual basis, at least. So, you know, I, I think maybe that's a good thing. Maybe, you know, get... Get this trilogy out of the way if it's a trilogy. They could probably take a year or two break because they're going to have like the Obi-Wan spin-off movie, the Han Solo movie and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Put that in the time slot of when you would normally expect a Star Wars movie because that's what they're saying is looks like we're starting to get a Christmas with Star Wars <laughs> yeah. type type um, cadence now. So it'll be good if, you know, that, that becomes a yearly thing, but it doesn't have to be a trilogy movie. It can be like a um, an extended universe story. Because like Rogue One, I really enjoyed Rogue, Rogue One. I thought as a, as a self-contained story, I thought it was cool. So if we can continue to keep the engine going with stuff like that while buying time to actually put together an actual trilogy type story that has a beginning, a middle and an end <laughs> with yeah. character growth and, and like, you know, all the cool things that we want from it, that will be great. Yeah. Whether they do that or not, who knows? I mean... The showrunner, I guess you can say, uh, Kathleen Kennedy, who's in charge of all of the Star Wars movies as Kevin Feige is in charge of the Marvel stuff. She's got a very, I don't know, it, it looks, it seems like she's very, she's got a very specific vision of how she wants these things to go. So to, to one point, that's good. But then also, how can you have a specific vision, but then not have clear storylines for your characters, especially one as important as Kylo Ren, right? Yeah. <laughs> so... He's the Zuko. Everyone's <laughs> saying he's he's the Zuko of the Star Wars universe. Yeah. And you need to plan that out for how that's going to work. Otherwise, it's just going to fall apart. And the thing is, Marvel is as commercial as those movies are. They are getting fresh talent and they let the fresh talent do their thing to a specific point, of course. And oh, yeah. I think Star Wars is, is missing that. We already saw that with Rogue One. Where I'm, I'm really interested in hearing all the behind the scenes talk that's gonna yeah. become public in a, in a few years time because they had problems, uh, with, with, and I think the, 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 the Colin Trevorrow thing could uh, be the same thing as with Garrett Edwards. They, yeah. they're competent filmmakers, but they lack, lack the experience that somebody like JJ brings, brings with him. Yeah. And I, you know, it, it's also, I think, relationship. Kathleen Kennedy is being, she's drawing a very hard line yeah. between what she's willing to concede 
and what she needs to make sure happens in these movies. And that's probably why the directors who come across, you know, like they, maybe they've got their own vision for how they want it to be. And she's just like, Nope, not going to happen. You do it my way or it's the highway. And so Gareth Edwards, I think was unceremoniously let go. <laughs> right. No, he he was stayed, actually fired. Right? No, no, he stayed on production. He had just had a, a lot of reshoots that were done by a different director. Oh, uh, who did Ron Howard? Um, uh, the, the, the Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Phil, I, was, like, I remember that wrong. Yeah. I mean, they were, they were let go. They were like, yeah. hit the road, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, you know, it's quite interesting that again, how quick in succession did that happen? Right. So Phil Lord and Chris Miller were, were booted. And then it, I think it was like a month or two later that uh, Colin Trevorrow left of, of, Mutual agreement, but you know, if everyone is leaving, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who stays behind? And the thing is, what did Rian Johnson do to stay in such good favors? Because that's a guy who clearly has a vision, he has ideas, he has a specific sense of humor, yeah. And apparently, the production had smooth sales all the way, at least from the 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 things that got released into the public. So what, what did he do yeah. <laughs> that, that that made him uh, different from Colin Trevorrow or, or, or Phil Lord or Chris Miller? Because he's in the same ballpark. That's a, an interesting thing. Did he did he sell out completely, or, or is he is he was he professional enough to understand what his role in this machinery is? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It'll be interesting to see, like, again, to hear the story of how all of that came together. It could very well be that he's just maybe a better team player. Yeah, could you be. Know? Could, I mean, at, at, at the end of the day, movies are a team sport. So yeah. as much as uh, the director is central to the vision of what it's supposed to be, everyone else needs to work together to make it happen. Uh, and Ryan Johnson, yeah, Rian Johnson, just might be much better at doing that. Sorry, my vacuum cleaner just popped up there in case. I, it's the closest thing I have to R2-D2 if you have Oh, that. you have a Roomba. Okay, I thought it's just <laughs> yeah. you have an alarm on the thing that tells you oh, it's time <laughs> to vacuum the floors again. Oh, no, it's a Nito. It's not a Roomba, but yeah. <laughs> I talk to it. I call it R2-D2. I actually call it Bumpy because it bumps around. <laughs> it, it's, Bumpy is great. It's just a, yeah, it's a random, random, uh, <laughs> random factoid for today's episode. <laughs> Okay, so we just have to wait to see what happens with this J.J. Abrams thing. But in other exciting directorial news, Taika Waititi in talks for the Akira remake. Yeah, he's like cinema Jesus. (laughs) Cinema Jesus. There's a lot of Jesus in today's episode (laughs) as well. So Taika Waititi, I mean, he did, um, he's doing Thor Ragnarok. And from all indications, that is looking fantastic. Yeah. So I can't wait for that to come out. And so Akira... This is going to be interesting. You're going to have like a um, a different because these are all so many different cultures. It's an American production of a Japanese property <laughs> with a. I mean, Taika Waititi's he's Hawaiian, so he's uh, got like New a, Zealand. I think he's a Kiwi. He, oh yes, yes, he's New Zealand. I should have known he's a Kiwi. Um, <laughs> and so, like, so he's he's got uh, uh, effectively like a Polynesian background, right? So <laughs> yeah, this will be. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can't wait to see it. Suddenly, because, yeah. Yeah, suddenly it seems like a good idea to make an Akira movie. <laughs> yeah. Because Akira is like, it's it's one of those, what's the word? <laughs> My 
brain is failing right now. Um, it's one of those ones that you just have to watch. Like it's yeah. the, it's an icon of a movie. Yeah. But at the same time, it's very strange if you're not used to anime and manga because it goes down like it's the last third of Akira is just crazy. Yeah. And I don't know, you know, and so one of the things is like, how will that go down? If you're going to make it for Western audiences effectively, how are you going to interpret that? Do you do it line by line or do you interpret it? And what potentially people may say is water it down or do you just go all in? The thing is, (laughs) Akira, the anime, is already a watered-down version of Akira, the manga. Right. So adapting it, I I think studios learned from Ghost in the Shell. From I the hope they learned from Ghost in the Shell. Adaption. And if they give, if Taika Waititi does realize, uh, will uh, will make the, the live-action movie, then I think we'll, we're, it's going to be a, a, a good thing. Or at least you can... I don't know. It won't be as disappointing as like when I, I, I don't know who was attached. Um, the last time I forgot. I don't think I, anyone I, was attached. I think they just kind of went around in circles for a long time. Right? I wasn't uh, who was in talks. Some, it was a big name. Uh, director was attached uh, to the project for a while. Oh, uh, but I, I completely forgot his name. <laughs> Let's look it up. You can, you can hear both of us typing, right? <laughs> <laughs> Justin Lin. Justin Lin? Justin well, Lin from... Um, uh, the Fast and the Furious, hmm. I think. Then Jordan Peele was on to write uh, the script. Oh, no, right. he was even he was even set for... Uh, as a director. Yeah, and I think that those are... Those were all interesting choices, especially uh, Peele would have been... Would have been interesting what he would have made of, of Akira. But getting somebody with yeah. Taika Waititi's sensibilities, especially... Just, I mean, the... Visual style is what I'm going yeah, for. And the you whole know, body I, horror I, part. Yeah. Uh, in the Waititi lens. Oh, yeah. It's going to be it's copyrighted. Fantastic. So, Waititi view. Waititi <laughs> <laughs> view. Uh, yeah. It'll be, I mean, just, it'll be something to look forward to for sure. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm really interested to see that. And, and again, it's, it'll be such a cool interpretation. So coming from all these different cultural backgrounds yeah. and being able to interpret that. So, Yeah. Exciting times for Akira. If if it's uh, if it's being realized that way, if everything if falls into place, yeah. I, I mean, I think it's a great fit. So hopefully, it happens. Yeah. Cool. And then moving on to the Superman movie, yes, three-hour extended yes! edition. So it's, we're like all over the place. We went like Star Wars, DC, Star Wars, Marvel, DC. Back to DC. <laughs> but we <laughs> sorry, I'm used these times. Do so, we need this? Yes. So what's the headline, first of all? Uh, there was a TV version of the original Superman movie with Christopher Reeves as the Man of Steel, directed by Richard Donner, I think. I hold that movie in high regard. It's definitely a Superman movie of its time. It was made in the, in the 70s, in the late 70s, I think. So it's a comparable to a modern interpretation of Superman, but it still holds so much of the, of the character. Yeah. It's it's such a, a, a honest Superman movie and there was a TV version that's three hours long and I nev- I've never seen it and I'm hyped that it's finally being released on Blu-ray and I'm looking was forward to good? watching it. <laughs> I, I don't know, but uh like it's more of more of a good movie, I think. Yeah, but so I mean I love the Christopher Reeve. The first Christopher Reeve Superman's awesome. Uh you're right, like you when you rewatch it now, it 
it really it, it's a different style of movie. Yeah, it, it takes its time. It's got an honesty about it. It's got an earnestness about it, and there's not a lot of action. You know, <laughs> yeah. So the movie's almost it, you know to me it's so good also because of what it left out. Whereas now they're gonna potentially put a lot of that stuff back in to make it three hours long. And I worry. <laughs> okay. Is it Superman just eating breakfast in the morning? Like, what are <laughs> they doing for three hours? You just see him wake up making eggs, you know? <laughs> it would be amazing, you know? Christopher Reeves could sell that. Okay, Fair how do you make eggs with superpowers? I would, I would super sit down with Superman and eat eggs, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see him being super careful with the eggs, you know? <laughs> no, like, I want to see him, like... I would. I want to see him scramble it. I want to see him like break the eggs into in, into a bowl, start scrambling, and then use his heat vision to cook it in the in the in the bowl. Like that would be so cool. That's gonna happen. There, you gotta put that in. There, there was a um. There's an episode of uh, Dean Kane Superman in yeah. the Adventures of Lois and Clark where he's drinking coffee at work and his coffee gets cold and he uses his heat vision to heat it up again. And I'm like, yeah. I want to be able to do that. And, and uh, Jimmy touches the cup later on because he heats up the cup. And burns his yes. fingers. Yeah, that, oh, that was such a great show. <laughs> so maybe that's what it is. I mean, like Lois and Clark, The Adventures of Superman, really gave us the uh, gave us the taste of just Superman <laughs> in between action scenes, like just being just being a guy. That's all the Superman <laughs> we ever need, <laughs> and the shenanigans. So seeing um, Christopher Reeve <laughs> do that for three hours, <laughs> maybe maybe it's worth it. So I mean, it'll be interesting. I'll, I'll definitely check it out. When is this actually happening, though? Oh, uh, there's no out? no date was being given, but it should happen this year. Okay, just just in time for Christmas. So if you need a stocking stuffer, <laughs> gonna buy two of yeah. them. <laughs> for buy each two. Sock. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, cool. And that was pretty much it for the movie news. I, I don't think we had anything else that you can think. Can you think of anything mm, else? Nothing in particular. All right, so we got about ten minutes then for our for our time today. Uh, to go through the defenders. defenders. There's, there's, there's just before that. I mean, there have been a couple of trailers released for Tomb Raider and The Punisher. Martin hasn't seen those, but we were going to see if we can watch them. Uh, okay, <laughs> watch them live and get his reaction while it's going. Okay, I'll start at the Tomb Raider trailer. Tomb Raider. I'm sorry. So, what's your what's your expectation before you before you watch this of Tomb Raider? Not much because I think. The video game reboot was definitely a, a more modern take on the character, but it still didn't feel it didn't feel right. Yeah, but I only played so you the mean first the game. New, the the new Tomb Raider game, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, so they yeah. they effectively like re rebooted the Lara Croft yeah, character yeah. and the whole story. But you didn't like that. You liked the original version. I mean, I only played the the, the very first Tomb Raider game back in the in the late nineties, right? I, I like that one because it reminded me of how how was it called Prince of Persia? Oh yeah, yeah. And it felt big and it felt adventurous and you could you could climb stuff and do stuff and obviously I was raging with horm hormones at the time, so <laughs> it was the right game for me. But it wasn't anything I would have followed in, into its sequels. The trailer feels like truly a video game movie. They just put a in an actor that looks like, almost looks like the digital version of Lara Croft, like the digital character in the games. Yeah, yeah. And it's a oh, and Nick Frost is in there too. How funny! <laughs> yeah, it's just 
generic action movie or yeah. video game remake. It'll it'll fill a a boring night, and perhaps it's only a trailer. Perhaps the movie itself will have uh, will 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 dazzle us in in some way, shape, or form. But I don't know. Br- bring those um, Uncharted movies and r- write the characters a bit a bit better, and we don't need Tomb Raider movies anymore. <laughs> yeah. No, not really a whole lot to report there. No. <laughs> Not not excited at all. No. So don't bring back Tomb Raider. We don't need it. Okay. Lara Croft from with Angelina Jolie was all I needed. Then <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I didn't even like those movies. Uh, the first one I thought was fantastic. I mean, Lara Croft. I I, I thought she was great. I I, I thought Angelina Jolie as Lara Croft in the first one was great. So. Yeah, she really fit the uh, the role on on a visual standpoint. But you know, give her pants. That's that's my. I, uh, no, no. Again, raging hormones. Yeah. I didn't need the pants. <laughs> I mean, she, she she looked the part. She played it the way I expected her to play it. Yeah, I thought she did a great job. So, okay, I fired up the I fired up the Punisher trailer, and so this yes, the trailer uh, for the Punisher. So, just as a segue, as we get into the Defenders, Defenders. Oh God, Netflix, lay off the bad music first. Nirvana and now Metallica. Uh, I mean, you know, you're gonna get a lot of hate for for, for people saying for saying that Nirvana and Metallica is bad music, but I think it's just the use of those songs. Uh, in, I don't know. In I'm, these shows, I'm over Metallica at this point. All right. Okay. So you're actually saying you don't like Metallica? Okay. <laughs> I, you know, I'm 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 a big metal guy, but I've never I've never got into Metallica. Don't right. don't know. Okay, but back back to the trailer. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not. I'm not that keen on the Punisher. It's like, uh, how was who was the writer? Garth Ennis, when he wrote the Punisher, said that it's the most unrealistic of uh, comic book characters because that guy would be dead in two minutes if somebody yeah. decided to take on the mob that way. I think the Punisher really exists in that space. That's about it's it's basic like rage and revenge fantasy. Yeah. Uh, the the whole the whole character of the Punisher is just angry angry teenage boys wanting to just destroy everything, yeah. you know. And I think the Punisher serves as an outlet for that sentiment. So yeah, I mean, I've never really connected with the Punisher at a character level. Uh, it's a cool character, I think, but at the same time, I'm like, it's not one that I follow the story of. If you had to do it though, if you had to do this kind of story. Which is effectively your your revenge fantasy, and and ultra violence. Um, there's also a new Bruce Willis movie coming out. So the trailer came out for that for Death Wish. There's a yeah. I think um, a remake of Death Wish, and I think this looks a lot better than that. Of course, of course, yes. The pa- the Punisher has to be the Punisher is a a great character, um, because he is is is. It's actually a more believable revenge story because he's a highly trained expert in the field of of killing people. Yeah, and he's somebody who basically has he, he has nothing, or in 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 his, in his view of the world, he's got nothing left to lose. And you, as you saw in in Daredevil in the in the second season, where he's a side character, when he goes into the pawn shop and the guy tries to sell him pedophilia. It's- Basically, yep. uh, he goes to town and 
it's not only about revenge it's about uh justice his he, he does have a moral code code yeah, yeah. and w which is which is what keeps him sentient, yeah. i guess and if you if you walk that fine path they they give him his sidekick from the comics or the 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 hacker guy um bit or bite he was called i think right. something like that if he gets the the characters to that to bounce off yeah if it's just him walking around shooting things it's a little bit one-dimensional yeah he needs somebody to talk to and i think karen page i think really served that role in the, the in daredevil season two yeah because you need again you need him to talk to someone so you can understand what's going on in his head um and i think karen will also be in this show right so she's in the trailer yeah and as well. I think that the, the Punisher, the Punisher as a character, needs to be reminded of his uh, humanity. Well, yeah, that he's he's still a human being, and that, that's what I always liked about when he's when he's been paired up with with Spider Man, for example. That those those superhero characters understand understand his pain and understand that there is there's more at work in those universes than just punching colorful people in the face. There's real crime in, in the Marvel mm -hmm. universe and that somebody has to step up, but that fighting real crime changes you in other ways than fighting costumed crime. Yeah. I think that's, that's, yeah, well, that's, it's very, that's very Nitschke, isn't it? Like when you stare into the abyss, the abyss stares into you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, that's a great pivot uh, into the defenders yeah because that's what i liked about that world is that there is the actual real crime so uh the rest of the marvel cinematic universe is very comic booky you know it's all costumed characters yeah. fighting other costume characters and it's all very colorful and bright and the defenders. defenders series is the street level it's real crime it's real gangsters and it's real violence to real people who are basically innocent like you don't get the sense in the marvel movies that real people are being affected because you generally never see a lot of real people yeah <laughs> you know but in um in the defenders what i like is they i mean and the rest of the netflix shows is they take their time to build that world to show you the kids on the street and the people trying to pay rent going about their lives living in hell's kitchen in harlem yeah so we've got a couple minutes left so just on defenders, defenders uh you know, my I, I just finished that last night at like two o'clock in the morning because I knew we were going to talk about it today, so I needed to finish it. I thought the ending was good. I I was satisfied that I ended up watching the show. Uh, I didn't think it was as bad as I was expecting it to be, but at the same time, there was some definite there was sloppiness in this show, which I was like, really, come on, people, yeah. And that that's supposed that's my biggest gripe as well, sloppiness. That they it's yeah. I mean. It was already in a production pipeline, and I think nobody nobody thought that Iron Fist would be as badly regarded as it was in the end. Yeah, as, so because uh, a, a large part of the storyline hangs on on the Iron Fist character. Yeah, what I liked about that though, and I don't know, it was a little bit meta, is at several points during the show they actually tell Iron Fist how stupid he is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, that's very meta. I really enjoyed Iron Fist in this show, though. Yeah. And so, I, I, and I know you were really looking forward to Iron Fist. So it'll be interesting to see your your take on this. He grew on me as a character. 
And by the end of this, I, I'm pretty much a fan. You yeah. know, like I, I, I would would look forward to another Finn Jones Iron Fist series if they made one. Because I thought I the the first Iron Fist yeah was just you know we discussed that al- yeah. already had a, had a lot of glaring glaring holes and bad things about it, but it kind of it it kind of found he kind of found his place. I don't know, and maybe I just like Finn Jones looking sad and depressed through this whole thing, and everyone telling him how stupid he is, and that's what that's where he kind of finds his his um, sense of character. But I thought it it worked this time around. Okay, dear people. Um, dear listeners, I think we Did lost I lose Niff you, at this point. And I'm going to try and bring him back. <laughs> You're back! <laughs> and we're back! Yeah, I, I lost you, did I? No, I lost you. You gloriously froze in... <laughs> oh yeah, you did the same thing. It it did. It looked the same to, to both of us. And I continued recording, so the time... Yeah, me too. Scale, no, nothing's scale. nothing's lost. So, all right. So we're back yeah. after some technical issues, and we were just discussing how Iron Fist is better this time around. Interference from Conlon. <laughs> yeah, and so what was your take on that? And sorry, I mean, <laughs> I thought you froze up again. <laughs> I corrected myself mid-sentence. Uh, uh, so let's start that again. And we're back uh, after some brief technical issues. And we were discussing about how Iron Fist is a lot better now than he was uh, in the previous series. So, Martin, what what was your your take on that? Uh, he's definitely portrayed better, like you said. He seems to have found, well, Abe, Abe yeah, at the end of the series, he finds his place, uh, which is an interesting um, uh, switch. Yeah. Because he essentially takes over for, well, he takes over. He's, yeah. Okay, so spoilers. Yeah, spoilers for Defenders. 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 He takes over from from Daredevil, or he gets inspired enough by Matt Murdock to take over protecting Hell's, Hell's Kitchen or New York in general. And so, yeah, so he effectively, you know, it's almost like he lost Kam Lang, but he's got New York, you know, and... And that that's what he says at the end, effectively. Like, I feel like I'm, it's it's starting to feel like home or something like that. And that's good. Like, I, I'm, I'm glad that he can uh, <laughs> not, not just be lost, like a lost puppy, yeah. like he was through the whole of the first, the first half of this series and also his own series. Um, I thought the last third of The Defenders was awesome. Like just yep. the action sequences, it just took. It felt like it took a long time to get to that. There was a lot of setup. Uh, that's why I thought this was going to be a ten episode thing. I'm like, how long is this going to drag on for? Yeah. Um, so I'm glad it was only eight episodes. Like it, I, I was able to actually finish it within a week. So. And I finished it in like a day because I had the day off and I started in the morning. Again. Yeah. What? It's over. I, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 I would. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to be able to have eight hours to be able to binge. <laughs> this just hasn't happened in a while. I, uh, you know, I prepa- I prepared for this. I did the housework in advance, and Susie was out of town. Right. So I was just I was on my own. Nice. And I had nothing better to do than to binge. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's but- just me and the defenders. <laughs> <laughs> so just going through the characters, then. I mean, uh, let's start with 
Sigourney Weaver. What did you think of her as uh, Alexandra and the hand in general as the bad guys? Uh, I think the hand was uh, the hand lost the last bit of credibility it had oh. with me because Sigourney Weaver was criminally underused. Oh yeah, I thought so. It was it was really badly like as an organization and like the characters within I thought were just really bad. Yeah, Madame Gao. And there was yeah. I mean, she became Yoda at the end of episode two, which was ridiculous. I was waiting for her, like in that, that scene when Yoda walks into the fight with um, Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Count Dooku. <laughs> he just kind of like uses his walking stick and then brings out the lightsaber. I was expecting Gao to go full Yoda at yeah. that point, like doing backflips. But she only <laughs> used the force. <laughs> she only used the force. And there was no real escalation. Like, it would have been better, I think, if the five fingers of the hand, when they came together, or w when they got to the substance, actually leveled up in some way. Yeah. Because they were on the same level the whole time. We'd already seen the defenders fight them several times before. Yeah. And so it didn't feel like there was any other, like, higher stakes. And you had the opportunity to show a, a high-stakes battle with Luke Cage and the... Black finger, so to say. Oh, the um, yeah, the other. The <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> I, um, like, I, was, I don't know if that's gonna go down. Well. Uh, no, I'm, I'm so sorry. The other, um, the hand character, so, yeah. yeah, uh, the the African American, yeah, the Afri yeah, what was his name, like Sawambe or something, I yeah, can't the, the guy who the, the torturer, I think, was his speciality. Dealing pain. He was a warlord, right? They just said he was an African warlord. Oh no, he had um, he used uh, echo acupuncture or acupressure. Acupressure. Yeah, yeah. Which which was amazing, and it would uh, he, he was a a more than formidable foe for Luke Cage, and the whole battle yeah. <laughs> happens off screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I wouldn't have introduced I wouldn't have introduced uh, Baku and all the other guys as generals in the army of the hand yeah and maybe introduce Sigourney Viva as a high rank, a higher ranking officer yeah I mean that's kind of going away from the whole they are all equals uh, right. thing because it makes them kind of like a military style organization yeah but at the same time I mean that's what they tried to set up anyway like she was the leader and they were all in independent so and there were already no no ninjas in yeah in this there was well. way too much ninja like Gao and Baku should have been the ninja arm. Yep. The other people that came in, you know, the, like all the fights were like martial arts style fights. And what really annoyed me was even in the end sequences, yeah. like the big action sequences, they would cut away from the fighting yeah. because the fighting tended to go on and on and on. And it's a martial arts fight. So they all generally look the same. There yep. was, that's the like my comment around. There was no escalation. It would have been cool if it, if it actually escalated and then, you know, Iron Fist and the Defenders had to do something, you know, that's not just more martial arts fighting, <laughs> you know? And for the Defenders themselves, I think Jessica Jones is still my favorite. Yeah. She was, she was the coolest out of all of them. Luke Cage was just Luke Cage, you know? Yeah. So we got more of what he was. Matt Murdock continues to be interesting. Like, I, I quite like the Matt Murdock character. Really? I thought it was uh, a bit too much. It felt like Daredevil 2.5. I still think he's the strongest... He's the strongest action character because yeah. Jessica Jones is, I mean, she's, you know, again, her perspective and the way she comes into this fight is not out of the sense of like 
massive burden and duty that Daredevil has. And so yeah. I think he needs to be the one that leads that charge. But Jessica Jones sees her place and fits into that. Yeah. But she's also like the one that's got the strongest sense of character, I think, in terms of who she is and that inner conflict that she has. Yeah, she so, feels like she because she's not so convicted, you know, she doesn't have as much conviction as Daredevil. And it's it's so well portrayed in the scene where the the guy who spies on the family of the deceased, oh yeah, uh, where she takes him, uh, the, she it, pulls him through the yeah, window, and it sums up the the whole exchange with why does everybody do martial arts and stuff? Yeah. <laughs> exactly so that was cool i mean there were parts of the show that were very good yeah like all of the meta humor the um fight sequences were were actually good there were just yeah. too many of them and there was a lot of action but it was all this at the same level there was no escalation and then you know besides that there were some parts where just the costuming and the and the effects like stick's hand when they cut off stick's hand oh my god <laughs> who's doing like who's doing the makeup effects here Because it just looks like he was just holding like a like a thing. Like yeah. his hand didn't look like his hand was cut off at all. Like that's they they should have just kept it out of shot. Like I don't know why exactly. they kept on yeah. keeping it in shot and showing us this really bad prop that this dude was holding. It's kind of the the charm of the the Netflix shows, I I think because it's like Daredevil's costume. He looks like a big shoulder pad. Yeah. yeah, well, what's great about that is that he's blind, so he's not seeing that anyway. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's why even Jessica Jones, when, <laughs> when she sees it, she's like, "Oh, really? This again?" <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, when he sees it, he's seeing sound reflected off it. He's not seeing <laughs> yeah. light reflected off it. Yeah. Know? So it looks completely. He's like, "Yeah, this is some um, sick, sick ass <laughs> costume." You know? Everyone else is like, "Really? It's a big shoulder pad." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know that the. Uh, the It adds to the to the cheesiness of the show. Yeah. Which culminates yeah. in, in, in Iron Fist's origin. Oh, I'm the protector of Condon. Yeah. And, and yeah. I loved I love those explanations. Like to me, one of the best parts was just when everyone's hearing the story about Kunlun and Shao Shao Lao and focusing his chi and they're like, wait, what now? And I love that exchange when um Iron Fist was tied up and Luke Cage was watching <laughs> yeah. um he tells them about uh Iron Fist says, like I had to punch through and punch through Shaolao's heart or something and, and Luke Cage dismisses it, but then just sees, sees his face and then says, all right, I will entertain your story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it was done really well. And that's something that, uh, <laughs> it's, it's great to see that the, the chemistry between those two actors works. Yeah. They, they yeah, work and, really and, well and, together. And they needed to because they, they're, they're partners in the, in the, in the comics, right? So everyone's looking forward to that. And it's also, again, it's so, it was meta. Again, everyone's like really dumping on Iron Fist. <laughs> and even Luke Cage is dumping on him for like the most of the, of the show. But at that one point, he just sees it's like, all right, this guy's had enough, like yep. people kicking him in the pants. <laughs> Let me throw him a bone, you know? <laughs> and we even tied him up. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Awesome. So I thought it was good. I'd give Defenders, I think overall, Probably like a seven and a half out of ten. Yeah, that's very generous, but Yeah. I mean look, it's not it was it was entertaining. It gave yeah. me what I needed. And it wasn't as bad as expecting. So, you know, so I'm I'm gonna throw it an extra half a star just for that. The only downer <laughs> was that behind the gate in in the hole, I thought it would be a portal to Conlon. A a, yeah. a safe haven or something, and then it's just yeah. 
was a bit disappointing. The the actual reason for the hand to because we never really got to what the substance was, right? It looked like they were just grinding up the bones, like ancient Chinese medicine. Yeah, and because they yeah. they said they want to return to Conlon, I thought perhaps Conlon was behind the, the door. The door, yeah, jumps around different places in the world when it needs to hide, like the yeah. TARDIS. <laughs> or it just has it has different access points, yeah, and that's yeah, just and, one of and like that's an, one an, of the access points. That's that's very um, kind of like Doctor Strange's world. Yeah, right? I I thought it was interesting that it was like a fossilized, skeletonized dragon skeleton that was down there. I don't know how it got down there, but it was interesting. I just didn't think that would have been good enough to explain the substance and why they were after it. And yeah, I mean the whole point is that they were just trying to buy themselves more time to eventually get back into Kunlun. But yeah, I mean so I mean again, parts of the story very sloppily handled. But overall, with eight episodes, I can't complain. No, nah, no. Nah. You know? And those, those small things like the, um, in the police station, they, they put all the, the friends and relatives of the heroes uh, in, in the, one place. In one place <laughs> with all the yeah. evidence from all the cases yeah. that have been running. Uh, the, yeah. What's it called? The, the chamber. Um, uh, evidence chamber? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So with easy access. Didn't even look like that door was locked. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, again, a pl- it's sloppy plot devices, like just splop, sloppy ways to get from point A to point B. And it was great to see Foggy again. Foggy was amazing at this. Foggy was good. He continues to get better and better each time. Yeah. And, and the, so, the grief, uh, I wonder how he deals, because he will deal with the grief uh, of, of Matt Murdock's death. Uh, at the yeah. end of Defenders, Defenders in, in, in Daredevil Season 3. In yes, some way, shape or form. That would be quite interesting. Because, I mean, the last scene, where is Matt Murdock, right? So, more to come. So, I think, you know, I, so I think they did it in a good way to set it up for, for, for what comes next. Yeah. So, hopefully, now that the hand is gone, they can come up with a much better set of bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> And I really, I was missing Kingpin. Like, I, I yeah. want Kingpin back. That would, he's still like the most compelling villain out of that whole piece. I mean, aside from um, the Purple Man, who's now gone, because he was great as well. Yeah, but uh, the Purple Man had to go. Yeah. That was, uh, the purple, <laughs> purple Man had to, to go. go. So hopefully, as they continue, they can build towards something even better for the next Defender series. So. And this time, awesome. hopefully, with uh, Doctor Strange, Valkyrie, Silver Surfer, and the Hulk. <laughs> like the original yeah. defenders. Oh, I, I hope they merge the, the extended universes. Universe. I hope they merge yeah. the universes at I some point. I want to see Spider-Man in there. That yeah, would be cool. that would be great. <laughs> All right, cool. And on that note, I guess we've come to the end of episode, what are we? Episode seven, we are, right? Oh. Season two, episode, episode seven. seven yeah. Overall, episode 16. Yes. Right? Thanks for staying with us if, you stay, if you've been here this whole time. time yeah. It's been a blast. And we will be back, I guess ready with our christmas special and uh <laughs> yeah it's, it's already and, september yeah and the lead up to uh to star wars, wars so yeah. more to come cool. so little so, time so much to do yeah so much to watch <laughs> all right thanks everyone thank you bye bye we will catch you on the next one bye